Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I am Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Amy Skinner in June when the theme for our event was broken. Amy has led many lives as a wildland firefighter, entrepreneur, and rock climber. But days she treasures most are spent with her three fabulous children. She is happiest sitting on the back porch of her cabin, sharing stories and s'mores. And she also makes a mean chicken burrito. Here's Amy's story. I remember the exact moment that my heart broke for the first time. But here's a great thing. I was already 34 years old. Up to then, my life had been so good. Easy, happy family, fun and adventure. But here I was, sitting with one of my very dearest friends in his truck on the side of a mountain road, watching the rain hit the windshield. We'd been walking in the rain for nine days walking and searching. Uh, My friend's wife had gone out for a run nine days before, the way she did most days, but this time she hadn't come home. And that very night, that first night, my boyfriend and I found her car uh, around midnight, and we were so psyched. We were so relieved, because we figured we'd find her in a few minutes. She was probably lost in the dark or maybe had sprained her ankle, but the minutes turned into hours and days. And during that time, more and more people arrived. Friends and family came to help with the search until there were hundreds of people walking through the rain. And every morning, my friend Steve would get up in front of those people, in front of that army, and psych us up and convince us that this would be the day that we would find her. But here we were nine days later, sitting on the side of the road watching cars head down the mountain, and um, the search had been called off. And I was just starting to realize that she had probably been long gone before we ever found her car that first night that she wasn't lost, someone terrible had taken her away from us. But the search continued for months and years, really. We manned the phones and we sent out thousands and thousands of flyers. But something big had shifted in us. During that time, for the first time in our lives, trying harder wasn't enough. We were young and strong, but this muscle and will that we had wasn't getting us any closer to that goal that we wanted so badly. Sometime during that first few months, um, as we kind of settled into our new normal, my boyfriend and I made a conscious decision to be grateful for each other, for every day, for every friend. But the thing is, we already were. 
we knew our lives were so good. So we decided to step it up a little bit and make it even better. So our first daughter was born two days before New Year's Eve. So we checked out of the hospital and went straight to a climber party. And I just remember this beautiful, tiny little baby kind of crowd surfing out into this <laughs> sea of drunken climbers, which probably wasn't a great idea, but at least they were strong. So, But uh, she was healthy and happy, and my boyfriend was handsome and funny and charming and adventurous. So soon my boyfriend became my husband, and we decided to have baby number two. But as I got bigger and bigger and bigger, we realized that baby number two was actually baby number two and baby number three, which was great. Todd reassured me and kind of laughed it off and took, was really delighted every time he got to introduce me as his better three quarters. He loved that line. <laughs> but way too soon, my heart broke again. This time I was 44. And it was a perfect autumn afternoon. It was a Monday, and the twins and I had walked down the road to pick Hannah up from her ballet class. And we were just kind of standing around in the parking lot, talking with other families, waiting, and talking about probably just everyday, ordinary things. And suddenly, I remember running down the street back to my parents' house. There was a phone call, and I found myself in their living room with the phone in my hand, listening to the voice of Todd's climbing partner. There had been an accident, a broken harness. So the next morning, my mom and my dad and my dear friend Terry each held a kid tied in their arms while I told them that daddy had died. But we had a great climber, awesome memorial party for Todd on his birthday the next week. And we had bonfire and slideshows. Um, you know, tall tales, lots of whiskey and food, and there were so many people that the town loaned us school buses to shuttle people. And somehow, our community carried us through that first hard, dark winter. And here we were on the other side. It was a sunny June morning. June of 2007, and we were in Casper, Wyoming, where we'd driven over the kids and I to go to a kid's children's grief camp. And it was held in this beautiful little park surrounded by churches and other public buildings there in downtown Casper. And as we drove up, I saw a small group of people standing across the street from the church next to the one we were going to for our camp. And these people were corralled by the police. 
and they had horrible, ugly signs. And the signs said, God hates bags. And it said, thank God for dead soldiers. And this was the Westboro Baptist Church who were there picketing the military funeral of a Casper hero. Happened to be the same morning. So we hurried into our, our, the church next door and we had a really great morning with songs and games and as an exercise, a part of this uh, grief camp, the kids each got a little terracotta pot and they painted them and they decorated them and, and they really poured their joy and their love into these pots, their artwork. But then we took those pots outside and watched our children drop the pots on the hard sidewalk. And I cried with the shock of that because I was so scared that that hate and that ugliness that I had seen that morning would somehow infect their sweet, kind of freshly broken hearts. But we picked the pieces up and we glued those pieces back together and we held the pieces together until the glue dried. And those pots were more beautiful and stronger than they had been before. And here I am at 54, and those pots still sit on my desk at home so that I can see them every day. They're a reminder that my heart will break again because that's what happens when you love people and when you let your people love you back. But the glue that holds us together is stories and love and laughter and memories and to those of us who recognize the cracks and the glue, we're strong and we're beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much to Amy for telling that story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, just go to the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher and share those stories with your friends. They'll love you for it. Big, big thanks go to our photographer, McCarson Tafoya of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits that she does of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org.